Welcome to the Year of APing Dangerously podcast. Here's your host, Kathy Walker. Hello and welcome to the Year of APing Dangerously podcast. And wow, when I say APing Dangerously, there's been nothing more dangerous uh, than this year. As I'm recording it, it is 2020 and we are in June at this time. And I know during the um, pandemic, when we had lockdowns and were forced to be inside, and the instinct was, oh, I should be doing podcasts, I should be doing podcasts. And I know, I honestly, I, 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 I couldn't, I, I was not feeling it. I, I did not feel encouraged. And even though on the face and when I had to deal with meetings with staff and students and my brave little toaster face was always like, oh, it's going to be better. We're going to come out on the other side in such a better place. And now as we sit over 90 days into what we're dealing with um, as a country, as a society, I guess I don't have that optimism, which probably is not the time to be doing a podcast, but maybe that tells me that, hey, I need to record these thoughts if the whole idea of doing this podcast from the very beginning, and for those of you who have listened to our other episodes up to this point, you know that um, one of the reasons I wanted to do a podcast, what, what's the point, was because of getting that honor of being named the North Carolina assistant principal of the year. And I felt like, yeah, that's good. That's nice. And, and I, and I really, really appreciate it. And I'm so thankful for the people that I worked with and all the stakeholders that were a part of the Troutman middle community that I think helped me get that award because if it were not for them, I wouldn't have been able to accept that kind of honor but I always felt like I don't know it all. And there is so much more I want to learn. And what better way for someone who has prior to education spent time um, in the entertainment field as a stand-up comedian, as a disc jockey, and even <laughs> going way back to college radio that, hey, talking and using my voice, that is a way to kind of learn and grow and know and that is why I wanted to do a podcast so that I can interview those leaders, those people who are who are principals, who are uh, district leaders, building leaders, who are teacher leaders, who are making those kind of growth um, mindset changes and things that need to be done in order to be um, better leaders so that I could learn and I myself might be a better leader. So that was kind of the point and the goal of the whole podcast. And, and I think in dealing with this um, COVID-19 situation and where we are in the world, I really honestly at the start of it thought, you know what, we are going to come out on the other side so much better. We're going to learn so much about ourselves as we see where things had to shut down. And, and basically it was like the, the world saying, Hey, we got to put some pause for the cause, pause for the cause that we had to stop things for a little bit. That meant a lot of working from home and um, navigating what everybody was calling the new normal. It also meant that now instead of 
a school, <laughs> we, we were going to have a different version of, of school, a different version, I guess, of homeschooling. Uh, what was what was interesting, I know for for me, back in March when this first happened, I actually had the opportunity to go to something called Podfest, which was actually a, a, a convention of podcasters from all over the country. Buzzsprout, which is the service I use to kind of push out the podcast, actually had a contest, and I was one of the people to get a free invitation to this particular. See what happens when you sit at home for like 90 plus days, your mind turns to jello and it becomes, you can't even think of simple things as conferences. And I know for me, it has been a year of conferences because after getting that title of AP of the year, I actually was able to attend a couple of different conferences. But I think just having that, that honor gave me a little bit of confidence because some of the things I had done as an assistant principal working uh, with my instructional coach, we actually came up with s- some some learning to start a conversation, especially about um, uh, unconscious bias and, and and culturally relevant teaching and some strategies. And we just really wanted to open up a conversation because I, I always felt that my district kind of um, looked at it and poked at it and picked around it, but we, we never really actually kind of picked at that scab. And, and it seems as though our society is saying, Hey, there's a big gaping wound here and we gotta, we gotta take a, take a look in and take a dive in. So that might be something we will be talking about a little more on, um, a future podcast is getting into some of the things we talked about, uh, with, the conversations about some of our unconscious bias and how that does impact race. And that seems to be something that we are struggling with as a nation, our original sin. But anyway, getting back to somewhere around the corner of where I thought I was going with this podcast and what I wanted to talk about today is just the situation that we find ourselves in. Again, at the time of this recording, it's June of 2020. And even though we have been in lockdown for probably 90 days, I know for myself, I was still working as a building administrator. I was going in in at least once a week. And at one point I was actually, uh, worked a solid week, uh, helping to deliver, um, meals for us in North Carolina. It came down to, um, kind of three directives that came from our state government as far as education was concerned. And, and that was that we had a remote learning plan for our students. We provide food or meals and a way to, to get those to our, our students as well as providing, um, pre-K, um, uh, childcare for, uh, essential workers, those folks who, you know, had no choice, had to be at, uh, at work. At the time for us, it was right before spring break and we had an early spring break. So about mid March, as I mentioned, I was going to this, uh, podcasting conference um and down in florida and um on the way back it was like okay we have spring break but that's when a lot of the things with uh, the virus started to break and we were basically getting shut down orders and things were kind of shutting down so we actually did not return 
from spring break as planned. And, but we were, um, kind of, uh, open for staff, not for students. So even at that point, it got to a point where, okay, you know what? <laughs> we're closed for staff, we're closed for students. And, we, you know, we really need to think this thing through and ch- reducing a, a, a high school that, you know, thrives daily with over a thousand bodies to kind of less than 10. And that also meant our, 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 custodial staff uh, was tasked to work also because we still had to do the business of delivering food. That meant our, our TAs, our teacher assistants who were uh, hourly employees were still working. Um, and as well as our administrative staff, uh, we had some of our front office people covering phones and, and bookkeepers and, and just doing some of the business that still needed to be done because even though we were locking down. We still had to look at, hey, we have seniors who need to still get information in for college and still need to plan on uh, having a graduation. And at that time, we didn't even know what a graduation would look like. A lot of people were thinking, well, hey, by 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 June, it'll be settled down. And, you know, by end of May, when we graduate, things will be fine. Things will look more like normal. But again, looking now, here we are mid-June, the new normal is something way, way different than we ever expected. Um, so where does that bring me with the podcast? Well, I, like, like I said, as far as on the face of it, I was thinking, you know what, as a society, we are going to come out of this on the other side. We are going to be so much better because we're going to learn things about each other because, because families are going to have to, to have to sit inside and, and, and be together and, and not everything, you know, can be resolved by, you know, just all spacing out and just coming back for that one meal that, oh, we're going to have meals together. We're going to have, you know, family time together, whether it's, you know, uh, computer games together or puzzles or, or, or what that we are going to be spending time in the house and spending time together and, and really kind of connecting and bonding in a way that maybe with internet and cell phones and all the technologies that we don't get a chance to do, whereas this is going to force us to do it. And, and unfortunately, I, I, I thought, Oh yeah, that's going to make us just so much more better as, you know, as a whole, as, as a collective. And I think in a lot of ways it has helped people because you know what? Our focus has been, you know, at home and with each other, but then having to deal with that. Okay. So this is my work time. So now I have to do my work from home and get in that mindset. And then, oh, but wait, I still have to help my kids and teach them. And oh my gosh, what's the boxes and the lattice? And I can't do this math. What are, are they kidding me? Is this what they're doing in history? Are you <laughs> again, all those, all those questions? Cause you really have to ask now there, there are some parents who do it well, who nail it all the time and have a sense of what their kids are doing and are very involved. I know for me, going from middle school to high school, I noticed that there is kind of like this gradual kind of letting off. And and whereas in elementary school, parents seem to be so there, so connected, so a part of the PTA, PTO. And middle school, you got it from some, but not all, because we're working. It's two jobs. We're trying to keep on track of everything. And in high school, it's like, well, they have grown. They need to know how to function and do this kind of stuff on their own. And you don't always get the support, not to say that there aren't those parents that are awesome and majorly supportive, especially 
especially for those kids who participate in sports and, and the band. But, but what about the ones who don't? Okay. And how, how do we, how do we take care? It seems like the more I talk about things, the more questions it raises uh, for me and for how it affects my practice and what I, and what I do. There's more important things going on in this world than recording your silly little podcast. Nobody's going to want to interview you and nobody's going to want to listen to you talk for gosh knows how long. <laughs> and so I, I, I know with all those days that, man, I probably could have sealed up a hundred different podcasts on a hundred different topics, talking about a hundred different things that would have some importance and relevance in the world. But you know what? I, I gotta be honest. I was not feeling it. I was not feeling it at all. And I was struggling as so many people, I think, have struggled. There are some people who thrive on organization and they just had it all down. And it's like, okay, work from home from this time to this time. I'm going to do this from this time to that time. I'm going to do that. And I, I'm sorry, my ducks were not all in a row. I could not get it together. I could do uh, a nice brave soldier kind of look in the meeting. I had my little green screen and I could hang with you on some of those zoom meetings, but I was starting to worry because my mantra had been, you know what, we're going to be a better people, a better society on the other side of this. We're going to learn things about ourselves that are going to make us better. And maybe even especially for education, maybe the way we do it now will be better. It'll be different. It'll be new. It'll be more connected with our students Man, because we're going to have to personalize, especially for them now, because, man, they know the whole Internet has opened up to them and and they know that there's access to all kinds of learning and that they learn in different ways. And I just knew we we're going to be better, that, that the powers that be are going to realize that, you know what, working yourself from like nine to five, eight to six, seven to seven might not be the best thing in the world, not for our souls, not for our growth, not for our spiritual being, that maybe there are ways to do this work in like a little bit of time and maybe we can change how we do and think about things and and that this was our time to kind of kind of reconnect and and get it right. And that's honestly what I thought. And I'm not quite giving up on that vision of what it might look like on the other side. I think there's still a shot and I'm going to stay forever optimistic uh, that we will be in a better place and that maybe education will be different. Public education, especially after all is said and done, because for some students, maybe being in a class with a bunch of uh, of other students and getting kind of the cookie cutter center of the road. This is what I need to give you so you can pass a test. Environment is not good enough for them to be uh, educated for, for us to call that school. Maybe that doesn't work for them. Maybe for some kids, they need that. They need that connection. They need to be there with a teacher, with somebody who cares about them and about their learning and how they learn and, and takes the extra steps to make sure that they uh, can get access to the information. And then I worry 
that um, especially looking back at some of the kids who we were unable to connect with, who um, were not turning in assignments, were not returning calls, we couldn't get a hold of anybody, uh, who were part of that digital divide um, because they might not have internet access. So, yeah, they might have this laptop and they got to take it home and even keep it home this summer. Are they still able to do anything? And if so, what are they doing? Are they just playing Minecraft or are they learning how to code Minecraft? And are, are, are they, are they doing things to kind of, to kind of expand and push and, and, and envision what they want to do and what they want to be and what they want to learn? Cause pretty much that's what the, the, the internet net access can provide. But are they going for it? Have we taught them enough so that now in this 90, 100, 200 days, however long of um, social distancing and mask wearing and all the things that are needed for us to endure this pandemic, that our students, are they still learning? Are they seeking to be lifelong learners? Are, are they only there to pass tests and please us uh, because we're their teachers? Just something something I was thinking about. Uh, in any case, um, different heavy, weird thoughts in my head. And that was one reason I didn't want to throw up and, and throw out a, a podcast because I felt like there wasn't anything to learn. I did have a chance to interview a few people. So in some upcoming episodes uh, that I'm going through now and editing, we're going to talk to some of the people that I did have a chance uh, to talk to about different things to kind of inform your practice and what you're planning to do come the fall. Cause I think everything is going to look a little, a lot different in the fall. So we have to be prepared for that. Honestly, I have no idea how to prepare for it. I'm going to be quite frank and honest as I look at some of the emails back and forth and, and, Oh my goodness, your inbox, is your inbox like my inbox? If you, if it is, you have to tell me in the comments because I have just been bombarded with all kinds of e-learning and reopening and everything that's going to rearrange, transform and integrate all this great stuff this year. And <laughs> quite frankly, I, I, I'm not sure. If any of it is going to be worth it, um, whether whether we will be able to come back if we do, how different is it going to look? I just don't know how you can social distance. I cannot imagine elementary school without the high fives and the hugs that you get from those kids. And, and even, even my high schoolers, my freshmen who are so grown and so it's all about me. It's all at the end of the world. I just know our need to, to touch, to connect is a strong one. And I know that's going to be something that will be hard to do as, as we come back in the fall. I also know that with Again, everything that's going on in the media, in the news, whether it relates to the disease or whether it relates to now as we sit mid-June with all of the uh, marches and all of the calls for change and all of the support of Black Lives Matter, 
how is that going to impact what we do? Because if we come back, and I think a lot of people are thinking, hey, we just got to come back and get these kids in school and get the learning and, and, and get that gap. And I'm thinking, oh, no, we got to deal with what is real and what is here and what is before us. Because it seems like we are at a, an inflection point in our society. And if we don't realize that, hey, something, 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 something just ain't right. <laughs> and what other educational podcast is going to give you the Keith? sweat quotes. I think not. And that's why I thank you for being here. A part of the year of AP and Dangerously podcast as we seek to learn, to grow, to understand. But as I was saying, if we don't really look at and think about and deal with what is going on as far as uh, race and, and equity and having those conversations uh, with our with our stakeholders, whether they are our uh, staff and, and peers and or our, our community or and our students. Because I'm telling you, coming from a high school that is um, probably not, not as uh, diverse as some of the schools within our district, I know it's on on mine, on top of mine for a lot of our students. And in fact, I had one student who, you know, was just kind of so concerned about things she saw on social media. She actually um, was upset that some students from another high school had posted some, some, some Confederate flags and, and derogatory comments and use of the N word. And, and she actually sent a letter to not just the, uh, principal of that school and those APs, but to the principals and APs all across the district, as well as some folks on the state level, because uh, she's actually uh, putting together a petition to kind of ban the Confederate flag on all uh, school campuses. But just that kind of energy and, and, and effort coming from the young people. And I'm sure there are other young people who are feeling passionately about what we're dealing with and what we're going through as a society. And, and our roles as leaders, as educators is to let those kids express those voices and to, to see where, see where it takes them and, 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 and do the teaching and the learning uh, through listening uh, to to our kids because it's also going to be a part of our healing. I often forget how important that is. And I think one of the lessons I think personally that I've had to learn was some almost 10 years ago in the aftermath of uh, 9-11. And I just know that uh, prior to that, uh, the year um, twenty. Oh, one was was actually a pretty pretty cool one for me. I, I remember some key things that stood out for me. And in May uh, of that year, I actually got to do a bike race where that started at the uh, World Trade Center, and it actually was forty miles. It hit all five boroughs of New York. That's uh, Manhattan, the Bronx, Queen, Brooklyn, and finally finished over in Staten Island. So 
that was just a big thing because I had worked very hard to at least be able to finish this like 40 mile ride. And I, and I'm not going to lie. There were parts where I was just tired. And when I hit that Verrazano Narrows Bridge, yeah, there was a part of me that had to walk that bike over. Um, flash forward to some 15 years later that I actually did that ride again with some uh, good friends, Natalie and Judy and I was actually able to make it over that bridge without having to walk my bike. So that was, that was one good or one positive benefit. In any case, that year, I remember a couple of different things about that particular year. I remember seeing you two a couple of times in concert and before uh, that September day, that Tuesday, I saw them, but also I remember them coming back after September 11th and playing in Madison Square Garden and, and, and performing um, uh, one and showing the names of all the people who had passed and just being in Madison Square Garden with a million people with, with lighters, flashlights, phone lights all up, all sharing in that one moment because we were all part of this, I guess, community that I didn't realize New York City and the world at that time was was all suffering from a form of post-traumatic stress. We were all kind of carrying this around. You saw it very visibly, especially in people in the days after. I always comment that I think I talked to more people post 9-11 in New York City than the 13 years previous that I had lived there. Because we'd all experienced this kind of common thing that kind of had us bound to each other. I think that the same thing is going to be true for us coming back, whether we physically come back into school or whether we virtually come back into school, that our teachers, our staffs, our, everybody's going to be feeling this kind of, um, this, this post-traumatic stress of having to kind of shut down and just be home and, and be away from and apart from each other. And then we're going to have to come back together. Now, again, in the fall, if we're just coming back together virtually, that's going to be hard because there are people who miss having those, those face to face and real time connections. And it, and it's going to be hard as leaders. I, I feel it's hard. Even me sitting through, whether it's an IP meeting or department meeting and in front of the camera, having had that active experience, I, I can put on the brave soldier face, but, but it's hard. It's hard to, to really know that you are uh, making the connection and, and having the impact that as a leader, you would hope uh, that you can have, um, but it's got to be done. It, it's going to have to be done and we're going to have to find a way to do it. So I look forward to it and I challenge anyone in the comments if you can let me know your strategies of how to deal with it because as you can see I am struggling as I said before I have had a chance to talk to a few people to try to uh, get things to get me back on focus to focus on how to lead in these times because I think it is going to be challenging times I am still confident though on the other side that we are going to come out better uh, better than than we were doing things differently, I hope, and doing things that are going to be more student focused and also self care focused because I'm guilty of it too. I I did a thing for quite a long time where I would be 
usually on a Friday night, the last one to leave my building because I had to wait till all the buses came back and, you know, made sure everybody had gotten home safely and everything was all set and good. And I would take what I would call the Prius selfie, which was just a picture of my little Prius in a pretty much empty parking lot. And I have a feeling I am not the only administrator, whether you're a principal or an AP that has what I call that Prius selfie shot. And that might not always be the best thing. Oh yeah, you're, you're there. You're making sure everything gets done and displaying a certain amount of devotion, but are you taking care of yourself? Are you taking care of your family? And I think once we come back, whether we come back virtually, whether we come back in person, that we have to make sure we account and take care of ourselves because until we can take care of ourselves and know that we're okay, there's no way we can take care of all those other stakeholders we're responsible for. And that's where I have to apologize. I think one of the reasons I stopped doing podcasts, I couldn't do it because I, I needed to kind of indulge in some self-care uh, for myself because I have totally kind of, I don't know, kind of reverted into some bad habits and have not been able to kind of say, okay, I need to do this, that, and the other thing and, and really prioritize. So now that's, that's what I'm working on for the rest of my summer. I have a couple of interviews I am going to edit and share in this podcast. A hopefully guide will be doing in the fall or what is to come. And, uh, I have, um, Again, some personal goals, things that I need to be working on and, and pushing forward towards. I, I like, I'd love to, I'd love to know what some of your personal goals are for this summer. Some of the things you'll be working on, uh, to help us get to that other side where things do look better, where things are more positive, whether we have uh, a vaccine, whether we're going back in mass or not, whether we're going back in person or going back virtually, what are some of the things that you're doing for your own self-care, for your own personal growth so that you push forward as far as being the, the educator, the instructional leader that you need to be in your building. So that is something that if you could share with me in the comments, I know on this particular podcast, you can reach it however you reach your podcast, whether you're on our, our Buzzsprout site, or if you are on Apple or Spotify, just a million ways uh, to get the podcast. So we hope you are enjoying it. You can always reach us at the year of APing dangerously dot com. I know that is a mouthful, but it is basically the name of the podcast uh, with the dot com attached. So if you visit us on that page, there is a way to connect to let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast. If you are an assistant principal or even a principal or building leader, a district leader and have a story to share, by all means, you are welcome on the podcast. Please contact us so that we can get your information and make you a part of the, the podcast because your story is one worth hearing. And especially that origin story. I'm a big fan of the origin story. So by all means, when our guests come on, we do ask for your origin story. How and uh, when did you get into education and your journey? Because I know everybody's journey is a little different, but we all have that goal of making a difference in people's lives as we help 
uh, to inform and educate. So we want we want to share what we know, and that's what it's all about. What <laughs> what's the conclusion? What's the point? What's going to happen in these times? I do not know. I do not have any answers. I do not have any permanent solutions. But I promise I will keep talking and interviewing and digging in to see where we can find um, those common grounds, to see where we can make understanding, to make things better as we go forward in this new school year. I worry and I and I and I pray for everyone's safety. I know for myself this COVID-19 has kind of hit pretty hard as I've actually lost two family members who were in the same nursing home, one actually to COVID-19 and one pretty much my uncle didn't have the disease, but I think he might've pretty much died from a broken heart, finding out that his sister uh, had passed uh, from COVID-19. So for me having not put out a year of APing dangerously episode in forever. I apologize. I will be more on my game and getting more to you, but I will be dedicating this particular episode to my aunt Ida and my uncle Sam. Um, as I remember them, I uh, thank you for being a part of this journey as I hope to become a better leader and help you to become better in your educational leadership goals. The year of AP dangerously. The year of AP dangerously. Thank you for listening. For show notes and more, visit yearofapingdangerously.com.